Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Good morning. It's time to look into our Bibles. We're going to be looking at Matthew 28, 19 through 20. I'll give you all a couple of minutes, a couple of moments. And as in Pastor Ray's tradition for, the, for our, our church family, when you find it, let me know with an amen. amen. All right, so we've got one person that's there. That's great. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. I know. <laughs> Pastor's not even there yet. You have a moment. <laughs> there we are. There we are. <laughs> Thank you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's flip over to John. John 17, 4 through nine. Amen. You cheated. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, All right, fine. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you, have, you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me for they are yours. Father, at this moment, we do pray. We pray for all of those who are yours. Thank you, Father, for the ability to come together this morning, hear your word, and hear your message. Thank you for giving us your word and the words that you want us to hear through Pastor Ray. May the words that we hear this morning truly touch us and allow us to move forward with our, our love for you. Thank you, Father. We pray it all in your most powerful name. Amen. Amen. God is good. And all the time. Let's be mindful of that as we can in this time of worship, as we kind of direct our hearts towards the Lord. We're starting a four-part series, and I'm excited to kind of kick this series off for us and excited for... Uh, Next week to hear from Pastor Crawford, who will bring in week two, and Pastor Charlie, who will bring in week three, and then I'll round out week four of this series with us. So really excited to just kind of look again more intentionally. Um, uh, excuse me, I'm actually, no, Pastor Crawford's rounding out week four of this series. And so really excited to, uh, to look intentionally about this idea of what, is it, what does it mean to live this Christian life, and then specifically, how are we called to live it together? And I want to invite you as we begin to, uh, to think about 
and time in which you might have had an encounter with someone or a conversation with someone, you met someone, you were taught, you were sharing with someone some of your story, the story of, of who you are. And part of that story was the fact that you are a child of God, that you walk with Christ, that you are a part of a church, or however you might have said that. And as you shared that story with them, maybe you heard them share something like this. I believe in God. I don't do the whole church thing. You know, I just, uh, me and God, it's personal. It's personal. It's, 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 you know, I pray. I read my Bible sometimes. I even, you know, kind of newspaper, I clip out that thing where it tells me my good luck thing for the week. <laughs> but I don't need to do that whole, like, going to church thing. That's for those people, those other people, those other kind of people. Maybe you heard him say something like this. I pray and no one needs to know about what I pray about. I talk to God and nobody needs to know about what I talk to God about. God is private for me. Or maybe you heard something more like this. I once used to go to church. And then... I don't go to church anymore now. Be around those people. You know the church. If you've heard anything like that ever in your life, you probably have these thoughts. Why? Why has their heart become so hardened toward the church? Why? Why do they think that they and God can do this without anyone else? How? How could it be that the model that we see in Scripture is a community, and yet they've made it so individual? What? What would it take for this to change for them? What would it take for me to say, for them to receive saying, you're right, I want to be a part of that? And maybe you left that moment or those moments or those annual gatherings with your closest of friends, you've left those encounters wishing you had some answer to this. Wishing you had a response that was faithful and that was full and that was good. Wishing you had a way to usher someone in. Well, this morning, I want to look at those same scriptures that Miss Amy just read for us, and I want to unpack them in a way that equips us by the end of this conversation today to be able to take one more step in those conversations when they come up again. To take one more, to move one more place toward a, a yes that would invite somebody else in. And so if you're ready, go back with those texts with me, back to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, as we're looking at the text, when you have it open again, let me hear amen one more time. Amen. Okay, some of you kept it open, that was good. But some of you didn't say amen and you didn't move either, so I got really confused. All right, I'm just going to imagine you said amen so I can keep going. All right, so here it is, Matthew 28. This is 19 and 20. I'm going to walk you right through those texts in an effort to be able to parse out of there some things that will equip us 
for being able to take steps in inviting others into a fuller life with Christ. So if you're with me, this is what it says. It says, therefore, go. Let me start right there. The first thing that we want to say about this, Jesus is speaking to disciples. Who is he talking to? Come on, you're with me. This is good. And he says to them, therefore, I want you to go. I want you to go. He doesn't say, I want you to stay. He doesn't say, I want you to sit. He doesn't say, I want you to hold tight. He does say that to them at other times. At other places in Scripture, he does actually say, I want you to wait right here and don't do anything until I do what I'm going to do. But this is not one of those times. He actually takes him to the mountaintop. He goes outside. He says, therefore, go. I want you to go. I've got an agenda for you. I've got something I want you to do. I've got work for you to accomplish. So I want you to go. This is an active participation kind of thing. Why am I starting with this? It's to say this, because those illustrations that I gave you a minute ago about maybe the encounter you had with somebody and the conversation you had, if you looked at me and said, I never had one of those conversations, partly it might be because you never went. Because you actually waited for it to come to you. But actually, that's not what Scripture says. Scripture doesn't say, wait till they come and then tell them about me. He says, I want you to go. I want you to go. Hey, I want to tell you something beautiful about this church. And I have a different view than a lot of you, because a lot of you, when you look forward, you see the back of people's heads. When I look, I see all of your faces, right? So I've got a different view of the church than some folks. But one of the things that I know about this church really depends on your perspective. It depends on your perspective. One perspective, maybe the back of the head perspective would be, Man, we get a lot of young people who come into this church, and then they disappear. They come, and they're here for six months, or a year, or two years, or three years, and and then they're gone. And you think, you start counting, you start rattling off names, you're like, I miss fill in the blanks. And as you begin to miss those people, you mourn them like they're gone, gone, and they're not gone, gone, they're just not with us. Man, what happened? But let me give you another perspective. This, this, is the, this is the standing in the front and looking at the face perspective. We as a church have a very unique opportunity where we get to be a training ground for a bunch of people who come in and get motored up. They get trained up on how to do it. And then they go. They get sent. They receive the commission from God to go. Maybe they go really close just down the road. Maybe they go on Saturday nights down to Wissahickon. We have some folks who have done that. Maybe they go over into another section of the neighborhood. Maybe they go into another section of the city. Or maybe they go, go. I mean, this summer, Emily is getting ready to travel. I don't know where she is, but somewhere else outside of this country into another country. And uh, a number of us are going to go down to Haiti. Maybe they go somewhere. But either way, we are a a training ground that deploys and launches people into ministry. And, uh, And do we miss those people? Absolutely. I wish all of you could be at our house every day bringing food with you. <laughs> and so when you're not, we miss you. But you ain't dead. And if you are, even better because you're in glory with the king. But, but you ain't dead. You've been deployed. You've been sent. You're going out to do what God has called you to do. Do I miss you on Sunday? Every Sunday. I trust that God is doing something great as he trains people up from here and sends them out? Absolutely. Absolutely. Friends, let me ask you again. Maybe you've had some of those kind of encounter moments, and you've been scratching your head saying, how do I respond? What do I do? The scripture starts off by saying you go. You go find those encounter moments. You go have those encounter moments. You go seeking those encounter moments. You go 
with the agenda of speaking to people about faith in Christ. So if you won't hear anything else this morning, hear the call to go. Now don't go home and say, you know, you're sitting at your lunch table being like, pastor told us don't come back to church, we're going somewhere else. Don't do that unless God tells you to do that. But I am saying go. Go out of this door and go out into the world with the good news of the gospel. I believe that's what Jesus was declaring that they would do. They would go. Where would they go? They would go and they, with the purpose of making disciples of all the nations. They weren't just going on their block. They were going as far as they could imagine at that point. And he was saying, as you can imagine that far, go a little bit further than that. Maybe somebody needs to receive that today, right? As you can imagine how far you're being called to go, then go a little bit further than that. That God would actually stretch you beyond what you're already comfortable thinking about, right? That God might send you a little further into a little deeper place or a little harder situation than what you thought he might send you into. He is sending you out there with the same agenda to go and go and do what? Then he says, as you go into all the nations, he says, begin baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We just... We just did this. Justin, we just did this. You did it. You lived it. You lived it out right there before us. We baptized you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. When we baptized him, he was making a public exp- a public declaration. A public declaration of his faith. He was saying, this thing, this thing that, that maybe I thought before was just personal, it's public now. It's public now. I am expressing to you that I am going to walk with Jesus. Watch this. It was just like he got behind a computer screen and sent every one of you an evite. Y'all know what an evite is? It's a free invitation. They send them electronically now. You don't have to put no postage on it, right? It's a free invitation. He was inviting you. Watch this. He was inviting you to be a part of the story that was so personal to him and is now public to the world. He was saying, if you can see me, you have an invitation to be a voice in my life when I walk with Jesus. Only one of you? Only one of you ready for that charge? He was inviting you. He might not even know your name. He might be sitting over there saying, Kyle, I don't know who you are, but you are invited to walk with me while I walk with Jesus. And you know what? Kyle is saying inside, uh, all right, let's do it. And, and just by chance, by from here to Germany maybe, you might be able to walk with somebody while they're walking with Jesus because he gave you an invitation today when he stood in front of you and allowed this public declaration of his faith to be seen. Jesus calls the disciples. He doesn't say, go make secret disciples. He says, go, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Express to their entire village, their town, their city, their, their, city, their city, their school, their neighborhood, everybody who would listen. Express to everybody they see that this person has declared Jesus to be the king of their life. Now look, if I told you that I was a vegetarian, Yeah, yeah, I'd laugh about it too. But let's just play the story out. Let's just say week after week, I stood here in front of you and told you, I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat nothing except things that are green, right? If it don't grow, I don't consume, right? Like like if I just told you this over and over again, and you believe, like eventually I told you enough that you believe me, right? That's cool, right? And then you happen to see me down at Reading Terminal Market, and I was walking around with a turkey leg. And I was just, just chewing that thing like a natural. 
you would object to that, wouldn't you? I mean, you, you would at least say, well, wait a minute, I thought he was a veggie. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you're too polite to say it to me. So you would just look to the person, you would be like, yo, you see pastor eating that? He sure seemed like he enjoying that turkey leg for a vegetarian. And you would think to yourself, there's something not right about that. I mean, if he's really the vegetarian he said he is, then he can't consume turkey. That's true, right? Vegetarians don't eat turkey. I'm confessing to you two things here. I don't eat either one, right? And so, uh, so, 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 but you would look and be like, hey, that's, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't add up. He said he doesn't, but he, now, now he looks like he does. That's what just happened right here. That's what happened right here. That's what happened. I want you to understand what happened. When Justin knelt down, he said to everybody, he said, I'm a vegetarian. He said, if you see me in Turkey again, you better call me out. You better tell me about it. You better remind me that vegetarians don't eat turkey. He invited you to be a part of the most intimate place of his life by declaring to you publicly that he's going to walk with Jesus. Now, church, we have to ask, what do we do with that? You say, Jesus, what do I do with that? And Jesus says, you go back to Matthew 28. I declare that you go. That you go with the agenda to reach people that they would be able to make a public declaration just the same, that they'd be able to express their faith out loud. Keep following along, verse 20. This is verse 19, therefore go, make disciples, verse 20. Teach them to do what? Come on, get with me. Teach them to do what? Come on, teach them to obey. That's what he says. He says, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. Teach them to do what I said they should do. Teach them to live the way they ought to live. Teach them to be who they ought to be. How do they know? They do it by obeying the word of God. In other words, this, he says, life has to change. Life has to change. From the moment that you say yes to Jesus, and then the next step is letting the world know that you say yes to Jesus, and from that point forward, you begin to obey Jesus. You begin to allow your life to change, to shift, to be moved. If it's your first day in church, I don't expect you to do anything different than you did yesterday. But if you've been with us for a minute and Jesus is the Lord of your life, we're expecting, we're holding one another accountable to growing in our faith. Friends, if you, if you walk with Jesus and you're a part of this church and you don't own one of these, we got a conversation to have. And if you own one that the pages are still too fresh on, we got a conversation to have, Right? Because we actually believe that following Jesus means that our life begins to move. It shifts. It grows. It changes. We call it discipleship. That we begin to have a life that is now modeled after Christ. Well, the only way that can happen is if I understand what the Word of God says and I obey it. Thank you. Thank you for being with me. If I understand what the Word of God says and I obey it. Obey it. Look, look, I didn't have to write it. You don't have to write it. You don't have to write it. And until you get to heaven, you can argue from this side until you get there. But when you get there, I promise you're not going to want to argue anymore about it, right? The call to us is to obey it. It's to say yes to God. God, what you invited me to say yes to is greater than what I have to say no to. What you invited me to say yes to is more important than whatever I have to say no to, no matter how hard it is. So if you're following along, I guess what I'm saying is this. The first thing I'm saying is 
Our faith is meant to be expressed in front of others out loud before the world that they would know who Christ is. The second thing is this. Our life is meant to change. See, 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 we can't confess that God is the Lord of our life if our life isn't changing, if, if things aren't moving, if we're still going back to our high school reunions or college reunions or class reunions, or if we haven't seen somebody in five years, but we go back before them, we seem like we're still the person we were five years ago. There's something that happened. There's something that went wrong. We missed something along the way. We should be able to share testimony. I won't tell you who she was, but she might have been standing in front of you today. She might have red hair, and her first name might be Rachel, but it may not be. But uh, she stood in front of us in, in our class this morning. Is your hair red? All right, I thought so, but I, I, I'm colorblind, so I just, I just went with it. But, but she, stood in, she, she stood in front of our class this morning. She said, you know, she, she hadn't seen some friends in, in, a, in a number of years, and, and then she saw them after having not seen them for a while. And they said, there's something different about you. And I knew what it was, that it was God who had grabbed a hold of her heart and had matured her in ways that she hadn't matured before. She had grown up in ways that she hadn't grown up before. And so when she went back and saw people she hadn't seen in a while, they said, there's something different about you. The answer is yes, Jesus. Jesus did something. It wasn't just that she said, oh, I'm going to be better at this now. It was that Jesus did something. And that's what we're praying is happening for all of us. Let's, uh, let's continue on. The, I want to I get to this point here at the end of this passage. At the end of verse 20, he says, and I want you, I want you to know, he says, surely I am with you until times get hard. That's what your scripture reads, right? It says, surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Look, 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 we, we all fall trapped to this at some point. At some point, something gets so difficult that we're like, God, where are you? God, did, did, I, did I go wrong? Did you, did you give up on me? Did you leave me over here to my own vices? Like, God, what happened? I thought you were for me. Friends, I want to help us understand this. God is as present with you when things are hard as he is when things aren't. God is just as readily available to you in those moments as the other moments. There is not one moment where God I can't go there with you. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Whew. You went too far for me. I'm going to somebody who's got their stuff together a little more than you. Praise God that he doesn't think like we do. Praise God that he doesn't act like we do. Praise God that his desires aren't the same as our desires and that our desires are meant to be more like his. Praise God that he has already declared that he is going with us to the very end no matter what. He has not given up. He is in this for the long haul. There's something to be learned in there for all of us today. But maybe it's this. Here's an encouragement to you. The next time you find yourself in a moment that seems like I don't know the answer, know that the one who does is still present with you. The next time you find yourself saying, I don't know where to turn, know that the one who does is right there. He's right there. He's right there. And he has promised that that to be true. So he says, go, I want you to go. I've got an agenda for you. I want you to go out there and help people to begin to express their faith in me before others. And as they do that, as they begin to obey me, their life will change. Things will begin to evolve. They will grow. Things will mature. They will, they will literally grow up. And as that happens, there are going to be some times that are going to be questionable. They're going to be hard. They're going to stumble along the way. They're going to have those Thomas kind of moments. You remember the story about Thomas. He says, God, I knew 
knew you, but you don't, I'm not sure that this is you anymore. Prove to me, prove to me. And Jesus comes back before him. He says, blessed are you because you saw, but blessed are those who don't need the proof in order to understand. Right? So, so Jesus, he, there's going to be those moments that are so hard. You're like, God, I just, I, I, need, I need to know some kind of way that you're here. Here's how we know. Here's how we know. Jesus declared it in the truth of his word that he would be with us till the very end. He has not given up. In the John 17 passage, we see I have brought to you Jesus praying. Jesus is right at the end. He's praying. Check this out, everybody. He is praying and he prays for you and he prays for me. Now, I have to, I have to say this. We, we thought it was a little bit crazy for us all to pray here in front of other people out loud, didn't we? Come on, be honest. Just nod your head. Just nod your head. You, thought, you think it's crazy to nod your head about this too, right? You, thought, you don't have to think it was really crazy, but at least a little bit crazy that we were all talking out loud at the same time, right? Come on, it's because we're trained up in a, in a, in a reverent and upright society in which we you know, pay attention to the person up front who's talking. Matter of fact, we should do that right now. Pay, pay, pay attention to the person up front who's talking, right? Like, but, but check this out, but check this out. Somehow, Jesus, in what would be the final moments of life, has declared, you know what, I want to pray not just for the people who are right in front of me, not just for those who believe now, but I want to pray for everyone who will ever believe. You're in that story. Do you get this today? Jesus in John 17 prays for you. It's like he knew your first middle, and last name. It's because he knew your first, middle, and last name. He knows you. Right? Before the beginning, before the end, Jesus was? God? Yes? Alpha, Omega? Somebody? Anybody? There's nothing that surprises him. So literally, when he's preparing life to die, and he takes time to pray, He's praying for you. If you don't find comfort in knowing that the king who would go to the cross on your behalf took time to talk to the father for you, Jesus says, Daddy, Daddy. He said, I've been faithful to all that you've asked me. And I love the fact that the story starts off with Jesus saying, hey, Daddy, I'm coming home. That's what he says. He says, hey, daddy, I'm coming home. I'm getting ready to come back to your glory. Oh, by the way, when I get there, dad, can I have my favorite seat back? That's what he's saying. He said, can I return to the place in glory that I had with you where you sent me on my appointment? At our dining room table, we've got assigned seats. It just made life easy. I don't know how we fell into it, but we've got assigned seats. Everybody knows where they sit. And at any given point, if somebody sits in the other person's chair, maybe we're gracious enough to let it slide, but the entire time it just feels really awkward. <laughs> Everybody just kind of looks at each other like, I don't know who to pass to. Like, our rhythms are all off. And Jesus is he's crying out to God. He said, Daddy, I'm getting ready to come home. And that right-hand seat right there, oh, I can't wait to get in it. Can I have it back? Can I have it? Can I have my spot back? Right? And then as he's praying, he says, can I have the space back? He says, all right, but by the way, I've done everything you've asked me to do with these people. They were yours before they were mine. They're only mine because I'm yours and you gave them to me. And then he prays that we, that we would have all that we need. This is what he says in verse 6. I've revealed you to those who you gave me out of the world, by the way, 
get that. I've revealed you to those who, God, you, you, you lent them to me. You gave them. You plucked them out of that whole story. You gave them to me. They were yours. You gave them to me. Now watch this. This is what he says. You gave them to me, and they obeyed. They obeyed your word. You gave them to me, and they obeyed your word. Jesus prayed and declared that disciples and that those who would follow after the disciples would obey the word of God. Friends, you came here this morning saying, I want to hear a word from the Lord. I believe the word the Lord has given you is clear. Go. Be obedient to my word. Share faith with people out loud, inviting others to see and then inviting everyone to respond. So right at the beginning, I said to you, you said maybe you've had a conversation that went something like this. Have you ever been a part of a church? And maybe the person scratched your head and looked back at you and said, ah, that church thing, I'm not so sure about it. Maybe more than once you've heard somebody say, oh, I don't need church to, 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 to love God. I, lo- I love God. I can do it in the quietness of my house. You should love God in the quietness of your house and You don't need a church to love God, but the church is meant to be the body that you live your life in front of, that together with the body, you are encouraged on how to mature up in your faith. When we were down in Haiti two years ago, we ended our time in Haiti with this moment of prayer. And... uh, in this moment of prayer that we had with the with Pastor, Pastor Jude, and uh, we symbolically stood together. And uh, we, we pointed out that in Scripture there are times when, when, uh, when called by God to serve, the weight of serving and leading gets heavy. And the staff that we're meant to hold up that literally... When the staff is raised, the hand of God is for, and the, 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 the things that oppress are removed. The staff gets weighted, and it begins to, to fall. And every time the arms would come down, the enemy would invade. The people of God would begin to lose their way. And so we see in Scripture the answer that the arms of God or the arms of the, arms of the leader are propped up but not propped up by like a stick or not propped up by something you can lean on. Propped up by those around them in faith who are there holding the arms up that the staff would be raised, that the people of God would have, uh, literally have the power of God on their side. Church, I want to say this to you. When we kneel down to be baptized, when we're dunked in the water, when we declare to others around us that Christ is the center of our life, we're also saying this. Would you come hold my arms up? Would you make sure that my arms don't slip down? Would you help me by being a part of this community to help me grow, mature, and faithfully live the Christian life? So can you explore God on your own? Yes, Can you have quiet times with the Lord? You should. But the Christian life is meant to be lived in community. One of the ways that we do that in this church, and the way I want to encourage you to take an action step 
today. One of the ways we do that is by getting ourselves plugged into small groups. We intentionally say, I'm going to put myself around a small group of other believers, and I'm going to allow them the vulnerable places of my life to be able to look at me and say, hey, Pastor Ray, your arms seem like they're getting heavy. Can I help you? Hey, Pastor Ray, that vegetarian thing isn't going so well with that turkey leg. Can I have that? Hey, Pastor Ray, you look like you're a little bit tired. Matter of fact, I won't hold your arms at this time. I'll take your place. I'll stand in your space. Friends, if you're not a part of a small group, it doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. It just means that you haven't yet experienced the fruit that can come from having somebody who loves Jesus walk alongside you. So please, consider, prayerfully consider, responding to the word of God this morning by saying, sign me up. Get me around some other believers that my life might rub with somebody else. And they might know me well enough to say, I don't think this is meant, this is reflective of the person that I know. My prayer for you, for me, is that that would be true. I'm going to invite Scott to come forward to, uh, to play with us, and we're going to continue in this time of worship. Our response this morning is, uh, is, is, one of, uh, is a call to action as well. And the call to action happens at this table behind me. We, in our church right here, we have a tradition of coming forward to receive communion. That's an action step. That's a, that's a step of saying, I am going to step forward believing in what God is doing. And as, uh, as we prepare our hearts to receive communion, we're going to have a really special moment. We're going to uh, bless, ordain, and install our new elders and deacons who will then turn around and serve communion with us this morning as their first act of service as an elder and deacon in our church. For those who might not be, who might not be familiar with our church and our church tradition, uh, elders and deacons are the, are the level of leadership in our congregation. They're the government level of our church. They help us to make sure that, that we're living in accordance with Scripture. They help us to make sure that we're making faithful decisions in the church. They also help us to make sure that the, the entity of the church stays afloat, if you understand what I'm saying. They help us to make sure that, that all things are on the up and up. <clears throat> They're elected from within the body of believers, and that happened last week at our congregational meeting. We elected our new elders and deacons, and we're excited this morning to invite uh, Melvin and Hope and Sue and Alex to come forward and uh, to, to participate with us in uh, saying yes to the call of being an elder or deacon by responding to the questions of, of ordination and installation. So come on up at this time. The, uh, the, 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 the process of ordination for elders and deacons is one that we invite the church to both listen to, but then also to respond with. There'll be a few moments where you will have the chance. Uh, Mr. Mike, will they be on the screen? Do you know that? They, it looks like they might be. And so you'll have a chance to respond together with us. <clears throat> for, the, for the sake of everybody who might not yet know you, Melvin and Sue have both been nominated and uh, uh, have been uh, nominated and elected for, uh, for roles as elders of our church. And, and Alex have been nominated and elected for roles of uh, deacons in our church. So I ask you these questions and ask you to participate with me. Church, there'll be some words on the screen. Please participate with me as well. 
There are varieties of gifts, but it is the same Spirit who gives them. God works through each person in a unique way, but it is God's purpose that is accomplished. Friends, I'll ask you these questions, and uh, I'll walk you through your responses. Do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you acknowledge him to be the Lord of all and head of this church? And through him, do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? If so, I do. All right, I'm going to ask you to exercise those voices a little louder. Do you accept the scriptures of the Old and the New Testament to be, by the Holy Spirit, the unique an authoritative witness to Jesus Christ and God's word meant for you? If so, I do. I do. Good. That's good. Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in our confession uh, to be authentic and a reliable expositions of the scriptures? That, are, that lead us to believe and do the will of God? If so, we do. Will you fulfill your office in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of Scripture and be continually guided by our confessions? If so, I will. Will you be governed by our church's polity and will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry and will you work together for the subject, uh, excuse me, will you work with them subject to the ordering of God's word and his spirit? If so, I will. Will you in your own life seek to follow Jesus Christ? Will you love your neighbors and will you work for the reconciliation of the world? If so, I will. Do you promise to further the peace, the unity, and the purity of the church? If so, I promise. Will you seek to serve the people, these people, with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? If so, I will. Sue and Melvin, will you be a faithful elder? Will you watch over the people providing for them, providing for their worship and their nurture and their service? Will you share in the government and the discipline, serving in the bodies of the church and in your ministry? Will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? If so, I will with God's help. Alex and Hope. Will you be a faithful deacon, teaching charity, urging concern, and directing the pe these people? Will you be a faithful deacon, teaching charity, urging concern, and directing the people's help to the friendless and to those in need? In your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? If so, I will with God's help. church, do we, the members of this church, accept these four people to stand with us as elders and deacons, chosen by God through the voice of the church 
to lead us in the ways of Jesus Christ? If so, we do. I'm going to ask the four of you to come right here in the middle as we pray over you. Church, I'm going to ask you to simply stand to your feet and extend a hand forward. This is simply a saying, hey, I attest to these prayers. You guys can come right here in the middle. I attest to these prayers. I believe in what God is doing. I believe that God is present and that these people were called and called by God and anointed for this moment. So here we go. Father God, we believe this is a moment that is uh, that you set in time, God, that you have declared this to be, Father, that you have, before the beginning of time, you knew this and you were excited for it. Father God, we pray over Alex and hope as they say yes to serving as deacons in our church. God, we pray for every appointment you're going to have for them. We pray for every conversation you have already prepared for them. God, we pray for every need that is meant to be met. God, we pray for the ways that they will further the congregation and its and its care for others, the way they will equip us to love our neighbors. Oh, Father, we pray that you would bless them, that you would use them mightily. God, we pray for Melvin and for Sue. God, we pray for them as they step, step into a new role as elders of our church. God, we pray that you would give them all that they need in order to make governing decisions for our church. God, I pray that their voice would be one with your voice. I pray that their prayers would be filled and heard by you. God, I pray that their heart for this church would be broken and be hemmed up by you, God, that you now would be the one who governs their heart for your people. And God, I pray that you would equip them, give them an ability to make uh, uh, decisions, to lead well, Father, to, to equip others. God, I pray that they would be teachers, that their voices will be voices that are heard, that are received by your people. I pray, God, that they would that their lives would be ordered in step with you. And I pray as the four of these folks begin to lead in this church, I pray that we, the body, would receive from them the gift that comes from you. Because, God, whatever they are doing, might they have the words like Jesus did to be able to say, I've done what you've asked me to do, and I was only able to do it because they were yours, and you gave them to me, and they were obedient to me because of who you are. I pray that we as a body might be able to say that as well, that we were obedient to the lead of these people because of the one who these people follow, that we would see Christ in them. So God, use them in a mighty, mighty way. Let this be a day that we look back on and we can say, I built my Ebenezer there because God, you did something that I never wanted to forget. I wanted to remember forever that you called, you appointed, you anointed, you set in motion something that was right and it was good. And so we pray over them, elders and deacons of our church here going forward in Jesus' name. Don't go too far. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.